Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with divorce coach and consultant Neil Palace. While he was born and raised in London, England, most of his life has been spent in North America, originally immigrating to Vancouver, Canada in 1975 and then to Los Angeles in 1979. It was there that he began his financial services career in 1983 following college. He met his wife on a blind date in 84, got married in 87, had kids in 2001 and 2003. Neil has always been a bit of a rabble rouser, which always pushed him towards entrepreneurship. Now it's all about building a legacy. His motto, making divorce just a little bit easier, is something that he stands behind. He's got a great story. Enjoy. Good morning. How are you? What's going on? How are you today? <laughs> I'm good. Just had back-to-back phone and Zoom all morning. And, get- it's, and all, it's all good. Uh, yeah, it's cool, man. Where are you located? I am in Thousand Oaks in Southern California. Okay. So that is, uh, do you know it at all? Where are you? I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City, Missouri, yeah. So uh, Thousand Oaks is about halfway between Santa Barbara and Los Angeles. So are you getting the brunt of this big storm? Uh, we are getting some of it. I wouldn't say that we're getting the brunt. In our area, it's been raining like the Dickens for the last however long. Um, but in terms of any significant damage or anything like that, no. Okay. I think it kind of went, it swung east a little bit and we're very west. So, uh, I think we missed at least the worst of it. Um, fortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Hey man, it's great to meet you. And before we get into your life and your work, I want to know how did you survive COVID? How did you get through the last three years and how has it changed the way that you live your life now? Uh, well, I'll answer the last question first. Um, it really hasn't changed the way that I live my life now. Uh, things are pretty much back to normal. And uh, other than the fact that there's a fair bit of work going on uh, in the Zoom environment, it really hasn't changed much. Uh, still going out, doing my thing and uh, socializing and going to restaurants and movie houses and all that good stuff. From a business perspective, yeah, it changed it a little bit, but um, in a good way, I think. I mean, it's enabled me to uh, talk to a lot more people uh, a lot more conveniently, make more effective use of my time and so forth. Uh, however, I still do quite a bit of stuff in person, you know, in-person meetings with clients, certainly in-person networking meetings and associations and other things like that. Uh, I, I mean, it, it seems other than that, other than the Zoom piece of the equation, uh, I feel as if it's pretty much the same as it was pre-COVID. Yeah. How, about, how about you? Yeah, I think we're getting to a point where we're, we can breathe again. We don't have this uncertainty and things are getting back. But yeah, I think it's... Uh, it, it was hard to see at the time, but now we're starting to, you know, I think hopefully there's a bigger level of appreciation for all the small things that we did in our lives. And especially with the arts, you know, artists got hit the hardest. And, yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of those things that I think are good for humanity to be able to kind of take an inhale and t- an assessment of what's going on around us. So, um, so I'm curious with you to, to get to the point of exactly what you do for a living. If I put you in front mm. of a bunch of third graders at a career day, one of the kids said, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? Well, I suppose um, 
I would say to that child uh, carefully, uh, have have any of your mummies or daddies decided that it would be better for them to live in separate households? Uh, do you are you in a situation where some days you spend time with mommy and sometimes you spend time with dad? Um, and some of the kids in the room are gonna say yes, and the other kids who didn't say yes are certainly gonna know what I'm talking about. Uh, and I'm then going to explain to them that. Uh, with regard to your mom, uh, when when and if she goes through this kind of a situation, I'm going to help her to figure out how she is going to pay her bills and make sure that um, you get what you need as a kid and she's got time to look after you and spend time with you and uh, make sure that she's going to have a real nice life and that everything is going to move forward in a successful way. So when you were in the third grade, what did you want to be when you grew up? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I, I would, God, I would have been eight or nine years old. I, I honestly don't know. I, I was, uh, maybe I, maybe I figured I wanted to be a professional snooker player. I was playing snooker and <laughs> tournaments and all that. I honestly, I don't know. Yeah. When I got to the point of, um, you know, 17 or 18 years old, I was actually looking to become a lawyer. Okay. Okay. Uh, went to school, political science and all that, but did not pursue that ultimately. So let me ask you this, you know, you're from England. Talk to me a little bit about your childhood and the seeds that came into you to, to get into your profession, to help people, to make divorce easier. So, uh, so I grew up, I did grow up in London, England uh, for 17 years, although two of those years were spent in uh, Canada. We we had emigrated once before, uh, unsuccessfully, an unsuccessful immigration. I don't know how quite that works out, but anyway, <laughs> I did, and that was, good, it was a good experience from that perspective. Uh, I But I grew up around people who were entrepreneurial. Uh, I, I cannot actually think of anybody in my childhood, at least that was close to me in my family and friends, uh, who had a job. Uh, they, they were all business owners, professional. Um, and so I was around a lot of people who uh, had a few bucks, quite frankly, uh, did okay, uh, were um, very free to kind of do uh, what they wanted to do. I, I do remember my dad working hard, but I also remember him you know, buying uh, his first, uh, I think it was a Lotus Elan, which, by the way, he had for three days. And he literally could not get out of that car and sent it back. Um, it was so low to the ground. I, I remember that car so well. It was funny. And there were no back seats. So it was it was it was kind of crazy. But, um, you know, I, I was around that. I was around uh, people who made money, who built businesses. Uh, who uh, were successful? There were there were certainly a few failures. I remember a few of those. Um, my dad as well, who uh, failed a couple of times in some businesses that he pursued. Uh, so I was always around people who knew what it took to be successful, who uh, knew what it took to make uh, a few bucks, that had nice homes and cars and that kind of thing. But they weren't. You know, they're not, they weren't the ultra rich and famous or anything like that. I wasn't yeah. around millions, uh, but good, solid middle class families uh, who worked hard and uh, made a living, you know, and did quite well. 
So who's been kind of a hero for you in your life? Well, you know, that, that, that's a good question. That's a great question. Cause I, I honestly have to say that I, I can't really pinpoint one particular situation or one particular person who would fit that model. I, I, I look back and I wish it was, I wish it had been my dad. Yeah. Um, honestly, uh, but there, but there was some difficulties there. And so it isn't here. My uncle, who, when I was a kid, was kind of heroic to me. I mean, he's the, he was the my dad's brother. He was the guy that uh, would take me to uh, Arsenal football matches every other week and sneak me in under the turnstile. And I really looked up to him when I was a kid. But when I left uh, England when I was seventeen, after a few years, well, you know, we lost touch. Other than a phone call here and there, that relationship waned, obviously. Um, so I, but I would say that he'd probably be at the top of that list just because of how involved he was with me, uh, when, when we were younger and the things that he did, uh, with me. And, of, and, and I'm a, an Arsenal fan to this day. Um, and it was because of him. And so I'd say that he'd be at the top of that list. So if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend some time with them, who would it be? Another great question. I, I, you know, I would say that Warren Buffett is at the probably at the top or very close to the top of that list, top three. Um, you know, there's a guy who's he's got to be either ninety or pushing ninety. I don't know. Maybe he's even older than ninety. I don't know, but yeah. I don't remember. But just everything that he's done. Uh, and managed to do with a with a very level head and still living in you know his original house in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, you know, kind of drives a regular car. He's a regular guy. Like if you saw him in a coffee shop, you wouldn't know that he's you know one of the richest men in the world, and he would never let you know that. Yeah. Um, so that you know that's that's a guy I wouldn't mind sitting and having a chat with. Uh, if there was a second guy, he's not alive anymore, but. I got to believe that Albert Einstein has got to be one of the f most fascinating people ever. Yeah. Um, and there's a few other people that that would be on that list, but there's two just to name a couple. So, what, it, what of all the clients that you've had, and and you know you got to be anonymous, obviously. What's been one of the best success stories you've been involved with? Well. Uh, you know, I've actually got a situation going on now uh, with uh, somebody who has suffered through a little bit of domestic violence or abuse. And uh, me and a lawyer and her sister, I guess those are the three main players, are helping her to get out of the home uh, make sure that she's got the financial wherewithal to do it because there's complete financial control there. Uh, set her up in such a way that she doesn't have to communicate with him at all and do everything concurrently so that she can get divorced or file for divorce anyway. Um, have a few bucks in her back pocket, be safe and, and not have to be concerned about her financial future. Um, and, and that, even though that hasn't all happened, 
because it only started about two weeks ago. Uh, it is, uh, you know, a gratifying situation to help her to move forward. And I haven't even been hired yet. This is actually this this is actually just somebody that I feel that just without some help, uh, he he's just stuck permanently. Yeah. yeah. So of all the things you've done up to this point in your life, what are you the proudest of? The thing that it would have to be kids out out of everything. Um, kids and marriage. I mean, my wife and I have been married 36 years. Um, not that we don't have our troubles, uh, just like any other marriage, I would imagine. So I'm proud of the fact that we've made it 36 years without killing each other. Um, and, uh, my kids, my ki- I've got twin 20 year olds and a 22 year old and they're, they're all doing great. Um, one's hopefully got a career coming around the corner. The other two are in college moving toward their, uh, careers. Uh, and, and they're doing really well. And the, the twins, uh, were born in terrible, horrible medical condition and were, well, at least one of them was unlikely to make it. And he is uh, a strong, vibrant 20 year old young man. Um, and quite frankly, without my wife and her constant, uh, pushing to the medical community, uh, and getting everything done, I, I, he'd either be a very sick boy or not alive. Wow. So those that, you know, I'm very proud of all of that. So speaking of youth and college, if you could, you had a dream tonight, you ran into a 20 year old version of yourself and you give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life up to this point. What would you tell that young version of you? Um, I would say that the, that young version of me, uh, number one, um, when you buy a piece of real estate, never sell it. Keep every piece of real estate, this whole rolling idea of getting into the bigger house and the bigger house and the bigger house. Um, it's, it's just not that important. Uh, you bought that place when you were 26, keep it. If you buy another one when you're 36, keep it. Um, and so on and so forth. That would be one piece of advice. Uh, second piece of advice, uh, would be to, uh, take more time in hiring people and take less time in firing people. Yeah. Uh, that, that we, that there's nothing wrong with giving people a second chance. Uh, but sometimes when they make a mistake and you see that they're not handling a certain situation well, that's not a training issue. That's just who they are. And you got to figure that out quickly and let them move on to something that works better for them and better for you. So everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Uh, so um, I think that the way that I look at myself is that I... Uh, am an extremely successful person who hasn't yet met his full expectations. Um, that there's still a long way to go, that there's plenty of 
room for growth. And even though I'm 61 and I've had some failures and some successes, that there's a lot more successes to come. And uh, 61 is middle age at this point, maybe the prime of some people's lives. I feel it is that of mine. And the next 20 years is going to be something special to be seen. So, Neil, if anyone wants to hire you, learn more about you, anything pertaining to your world, where can they go? Well, they can go to a couple of different places. They can go to the divorcetransitionprofessionals.com. They can go to the wealthcreatorcompany.com. They can email me at neil at the wealthcreatorcompany.com or phone me, text me at 818-606-7327. I answer my own phone, respond to my own email. And I'll be happy to talk to anybody who wants to chat for 10 minutes. I don't uh, take anything for granted. You never know who knows who knows who. Yeah, for sure. Neil, this has been great. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for your story. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. 